Hey, this is Abby Kay, and you're listening to the Hook Rock with Dave Scott. I got a woman who doesn't love me, but fits me like a glove. Everything is rosy, apart from me above. She hums hallelujah when she's giving head. When I look into those eyes, I see an alien instead. I think I got the picture not so long ago. Don't meditate too much on what makes her garden grow. Things that do come to you and seem just like a dream. I've come disguised as what you are, not what you need. It's a jam, it's a jam, it's a thorn in my hand. Why I let her drive me crazy, man. Hey everyone, what's happening? Good evening to you. Thanks for tuning in once again. I'm your host, Jay Scott. This is The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're staying safe and staying healthy. Enjoying live music um, as much of you are right now. I know there's some certain areas around the globe that are still under restriction. And unfortunately, here in the States, numbers keep rising too. So I don't know what that's going to mean for our future or what that's going to mean for getting out and about like we've uh, become accustomed to the last couple of months, but let's keep our fingers crossed. Let's remain positive and uh, hopefully let's, uh, let's aim for the best here. We are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. You can check out all the old and new episodes of The Hook Rocks on PantheonPodcast.com, as well as anywhere you do listen to your podcast, whether it's Apple, Spotify, any platform we are on. You can catch out my fellow podcasters as well, like Shout Out Loudcast, Carmen Apice, Vinny Apice on the Hanging and Banging podcast, Cobras and Fire, Martin Popoff, The Rock Historian, and Mistress Carrie. All of them have been previous guests here on The Hook Rock, so check out those episodes as well. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Like I said, please subscribe anywhere you do podcasts. Write us a review so you get the great music commentary and the great interviews and also the great new bands that we talk to a lot here on The Hook. And we've got another great new band all the way from London, England, a band that myself and many of my listeners have been enjoying their latest album mojo skyline in fact when we did our quarterly album review with uh, the legend chris corridetti our friend here on the hook rocks it was in both of our top five albums of the quarter so it's a fantastic album it's a fantastic band and i'd like to welcome in lead singer rhythm guitar player john drake what's going on john how are you Hey man, I'm really good. It's uh, very, very strangely very hot in London right now. It's uh, it's like we're in the middle of a heat wave, man. It's crazy. We just went through that, especially the western states here in in the U.S., where temperatures got up to like 120 degrees, like in Death Valley. I think it was like 130 at some point. Um, it was just absolutely crazy. So the weather all over the 
you know, the world right now is very strange and very, uh, yeah, there's no rhyme or reason for it, but yeah, man, is, <laughs> when, when, when's the last time you guys had a heat wave like that? Oh, do you know what? It's, it's hard to tell because every year the press reports on heat waves in England, the moment it gets above like, you know, <laughs> 27 degrees Celsius, they all think it's a heat wave, but I don't think we've had it hot like this for a good couple of years. And it's, it's, you know, I'm living in such a crazy time at the moment that everything just seems so amplified, you know. So heat waves, everything is mad. Well, you know, hopefully you can find a cold, a cold one, a cold beer, a cold drink to have and cool yourself off and relax because that's what uh, we pretty much do over here when things get hot, you know. Yeah, man, that's what I'm doing right now. I've, I've cracked myself a nice beer, and I'm sitting looking out at the sky, and I'm ready to talk about some rock and roll. Awesome. Well, hey, man, thanks for doing this. As uh, we do continue with the conversation, we always start the same way every time we have a first-time guest on the podcast, and that is the essence of the show. Just like every great rock song has a hook that sucks you in, pulls you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song an album, a band, or performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? Ah, oh, man. For me, it's it's. Uh, it, I can still think of the moment rock and roll took my soul forever, and that was the moment I heard the first 20 seconds of the record, Appetite for Destruction. I heard that those guitars, uh, you know, Welcome to the Jungle, I was just like, what the fuck is this? Like, what is this? What is this I'm listening to, right? And uh, it just took it just took me over. <laughs> and it's been that way ever since, man. One of the greatest debuts in rock history, definitely Appetite for Destruction. You mentioned oh, yeah. the pull of Welcome to the Jungle and the music on that album. It had such a raw and dirty tone to it, right? I mean, because everything that was coming out before then was very well produced, very well manicured in terms of both the music and the looks. You had all the teased hair, you had the makeup, you had, you know, the, the, the what was, a, you know, people call now a hair bands, which I'm not necessarily a big fan of that. But here came Guns N' Roses with this album that kind of totally flipped the switch in terms of getting back to the grassroots of rock and roll, that down and dirty rock and roll that we all know and love. When you think back of that album and that pull, where did it go from there? Where did it become, I want to be in a rock band and I want to play guitar and I want to, you know, perform in front of people. Man, it was, it was lit. And I'm not joking here. It was immediate. I heard that, I heard that tape. I got given the tape, a blank cassette tape on the school bus. Right. And, some kid gave it to me in the bus and said, take it and have a listen to this at home. And I listened to it and I put it on. It was, it was, you know, I didn't even know what it was. And it was Appetite for Destruction. From there, I was just like, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to make, I want to make rock and roll. So I think I said to my dad or my mom, I said, I want to, I want to, I want to play guitar. And, and my, my dad said, well, if you still want to play guitar in a year, <laughs> we'll get you one. And so for a whole year, I waited for a whole year and I pretended to play the guitar on a piece of metal, like a 90 degree angle piece of metal until the year went by and my old man bought me a guitar for my birthday. And I just, 
I just practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced, you know, every day, every day. All, you know, get home from school and I'd just go down to the basement and practice. And, uh, yeah, man, I just, I, all, that's all I thought about. It was that, Metallica, ACDC, you know, all, all that stuff. And uh, I'd pull out the little challenges and I'd just, I'd just go for it. It was like a, a total escape. And then the singing, the singing came a bit later. I didn't start singing until I was about uh, 18, 19. When you look back on that moment and you're, you, you know, the lightning bolt, you know, it, it strikes you, you know, like this is what I want to do. This is where, you know, what, what my life is going to be in rock and roll because mm-hmm. of this piece of music, this, this masterpiece, many people call that album. And yeah, you know, you're, you're evolving and you're waiting to get that guitar. You start picking it up. When did it become, when did the writing aspect of music come for you? Was there, you know, do we still go back to Appetite for Destruction? Were there other songs that you were hearing or other people writing lyrics that connected with you and you said, hey, I, I can do that? Yeah, well, it's a very interesting question because I used to write a lot of poetry when I was a kid, like pages and pages of it. And I never connected it to music because I played guitar. And then one day, I think, I don't know, I must have been a two years later when I was getting, I was starting to get pretty good at the guitar practicing and uh one day i had this idea and it seems so silly now but at the time it seemed like a revelation i had this idea that whoa maybe i should write my own guitar solos over a riff instead of learning someone else's guitar solos and that sounds really innocent but that's but, but, but when i was 12 years old that was like this thing of like whoa i can write my own guitar solo i can write a riff play that into a cassette tape Put that cassette tape in one cassette player, press play, and then get another cassette recorder and record me playing a guitar solo over myself. And and that's how it started, just writing a riff, playing a solo, and then kind of reading some of the lyrics I was writing and poetry I was writing when I was a little kid, and then just kind of starting to just, you know, just fuck around with it. And it took me, you know, it took a while to start getting into actually writing songs, but that was the When you think back of that moment when you are developing your writing style and writing songs, you know, are are you then exposed to other rock artists? Are you exposed to other genres when you're writing music? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, I appetite kind of took me by you know, took took me and threw me into this world. But I because of my big brothers and my old man. You know, uh, they, they, we listened to everything. You know, my, my old man was a huge Doors fan, and he was a huge Neil Diamond fan. And uh, you know, when 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 I uh, when I had my little guitar out for my guitar to take to school for band practice, he'd give me a ride. So if I didn't have that, I'd get the bus. But when I had the the gear, he'd give me a ride, and uh, in in his car, we'd listen to uh, L.A. Woman. The, um, the album and that just speaks into me the whole mystic poetry of Jim Morrison and then you know the, the songs of classic Neil Diamond and, and you know he, he, my big brothers had listened to like all sorts of other stuff like The Cure Pink Floyd Led Zeppelin um, and that 
that was kind of how I kind of started listening to music. And then obviously, uh, you know, a few years later, I discovered Metallica and I went really heavy. I mean, I still listen to Metallica every week, but, um, you know, I, I got into like Sepultura, Pan, Pantera, Metallica, Megadeth, you know, and that kind of got me down one direction. But simultaneously, I started really getting into like all the, you know, all the Seattle stuff, you know, most uh, predominantly like uh, yeah, Soundgarden and Pearl Jam. And, uh, and then, then I discovered around the same time, a couple of years later, I discovered Radiohead. And so I went from like this devouring like hard rock and roll and metal to like, you know, Seattle kind of classic rock and roll to then discovering like very, very melodic ambient British music like Radiohead. And that just started to really color my whole sense of songwriting and, and, and melody. And I, I, I didn't start singing until I started listening to, to Radiohead. And I just, I thought Tom York's voice, you know, was just so profound and it just spoke to me. And that's why I started singing, ironically, it was not because of like, you know, these other singers who I, who, you know, who obviously influenced me, but I, I actually started singing because of Tommy York from Radiohead, ironically. When you think back and you're developing your writing style, do you write from personal experience, observations, a theme, an idea? Where do you get your inspiration from? So I take, it's, it's weird, you know, like it all depends on what the song is. I I usually write about my experience, but I also write about what I see, and I meld the two together. It's not a, it's not something I really think about too often. It's just you know I'll be fucking around on the guitar, and then I'll come up with a vocal hook and a and a lyric that sounds cool, and and that lyric might it's usually like a chorus lyric might dictate what the song's going to be about. So um you know. The song, like off Mojo Skyline, uh, Demon, right? You know, there's a demon in my heart. That's, that, that lyric just kind of came, the, the lyrics of the song came from the title, which is about, you know, uh, uh, struggling with yourself, struggling with mental health, struggling with alcoholism, and, you know, all sorts of, all, you know, all sorts of the things, all the demons that one can struggle with, you know. Um, so that's very much about some of my personal observations and my own experiences. And how, others, others are more objective. How do you deal with the vulnerability of writing about personal experience? You know, tapping into those emotions, whether good or bad, and you know, uh, putting them to a song. Do you know what, man? I don't. I don't know. What, I don't know. I, it's funny when you've got a a bitchin' rock and roll band behind you and you're singing, it kind of masks all the personal lyrics, you know? Adam, Adam, Adam Mackey, who, you know, is our, who formed the band with me, he, um, you know, who writes the songs, you know, with me, um, you know, he, he said to me, I think when we were recording Mojo, we're out, we're out in the country, at the studio out in the country in England, and I was talking about, you know, we were having a few beers and a few whiskeys in between sessions or whatever, as you do. And uh, and he said to me, you know, all these 
these lyrics of yours, man, they're all kind of, <laughs> they're really about a lot of shit you've been going through. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah. Like, it's all, you know, you, it's, it's all about your last kind of relationships and all those sort of things. And I was like, I didn't realize how intimate they were until I actually went and read them without hearing the music. It's like I was so immersed in it that I didn't take a step back and actually read how personal some lyrics were. Because if I were to read them out to someone and say, hey, I wrote this down on a piece of paper and read it, I would feel very vulnerable. But when you, you know, sing in it and bashing a guitar and you've got the pounding drums and bass behind you, it, it kind of doesn't make you feel as vulnerable. Well, it is, you know, tapping into those emotions and, and it can be therapeutic. Um, you can rediscover a different perspective through writing a song mm. and through, you know, when you, when you are away from something for a while or away from an experience and you decide to, you know, tap into that experience and write about it, what maybe, you know, you had originally thought or the emotions you originally had may be different. Maybe, you know, it might be a different perspective that you, if you've had a chance to be away from an experience for a bit of time. Have you ever found that to be oh. the case? Yeah, very much so. It's an ongoing thing, you know. You look back and go, "Oh wow, I, I really, I re- really was in the in the middle of something when I wrote that." Like, for example, the song "It's a Jam." It's actually a, you know, it's a bit of a journey I was going on. The lyrics of "It's a Jam," you know, about about a pretty bit of a crazy relationship I was in at one point, and um, and I look back and I go, "Wow, you know, that that really." I was in the thick of it then, and I've got some perspective on it now, but it was not a great place to be. And that's, that's what's great about making records is you can look back and you can almost, you can see it. You see that snapshot of where you were at that point in time, you know. The new album is Mojo Skyline. It was released earlier this year. It is close to perfection. It is a great album. Uh, it's just a, a fantastic diary of what uh you know Duskota was doing or what was happening you know with Duskota while they were recording this album when you were finalizing this record or writing this record was this during the pandemic was this written you know during you know when the world was just going crazy no man it, we actually we actually made it uh we made it July around July 2019. So we made it, got it completed, um, and then you know our management kind of shopping it around. No labels were interested in it, um, which is you know interesting. But I was like, oh, I still believed in it. And then we did end up signing with our record label. Um, the last the last gig we did before the whole of England got shut down shut down a week before we did one gig and a record label came and saw us and that's when we got signed and they said um you know the label said to me on the night the ceo the the label said what have you got and i said we've got a whole album man and he said what's it like and i said it's a modern classic (laughs) we'll send it to you (laughs) you were right (laughs) yeah it, it sounds ridiculous but I kind of said it as a joke, you know, like, like I'm standing at the bar having a fucking few beers, thinking about some broad standing over in the corner or whatever, and I've had a show, and I'm not really that, I'm not really thinking about it, you know. The world's fucking going crazy. 
everyone's getting scared. You know, we, we, we didn't even know how fast the crowd were going to show up to this gig because, you know, the COVID was just a murmur at that point, but was, things were getting a bit hairy and the government was saying, you know, we may or not may not have to go into lockdown. And then, you know, huh, I'm just talking at the bar and, you know, I get asked the question about the album. I'm like, yeah, classic. Check it out. Next thing you know, you know, we're, you know, signing a deal. So it was uh, funny how life works out, man. It is because I, I can't imagine what reason any record label would reject this album because it is, like you said, a modern classic. I mean, the first time I heard it, I was floored. I mean, the growth really? from your first album to this is like off the charts as musicians, you, as, as, so- as songwriters. It is just a fantastic album. And, you know, when we were talking about this um, on the episode back in April where we were ranking, you know, the, the top 10 albums of the first quarter in 2021. And we, you know, we were, we were discussing this with, you know, my friend Chris who appears on the show and we were just, we were just like, man, this album is so good. Like, I, like this is such a like a, a close to perfection, like I said, and you know to know that you guys wrote this and we're sitting on this for God like so long. How did that? Oh, how man. did you? How were you able to, you know, stay sane by by knowing what you were sitting on was so great, and yet it wasn't released. Oh man, I tell you, yeah, that's a difficult one because. I know, I know I just told you that, you know, we played a gig and we got a record deal. We did, but you know how life is. It doesn't just happen in a week, right? So we, you know, we, we made this record. We shopped it around. And, and, our, and our manager's like, look, no one's really interested. You guys don't, no one really knows who you are. They're not bothered. You don't have enough followers on social media. And we're like, yeah, but this is, this is killer. And he's like, I know, but... No one else is really bothered. They just think it's like every other rock album out there. And I was just like, these people are nuts. Like, this is great. Like, like you know, I, I, I couldn't believe it myself. I, it, was, it, was, it was driving me mad. I was like, you know, this, is a, this, is, this record needs to be heard, right? I was like, this record can't just sit and, 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 and not have a label behind it and not be heard. I, I was like... This, this can't happen. And so when we actually did, when we did get kind of approached by this one label who wanted to sign us, who was, turns out to be our current label, there was still this waiting period of like a couple of months. And this was in the middle of lockdown where, you know, the world has literally just completely changed overnight and everyone shut down. And I'm sitting there thinking, what is going on with my life? I've got this record that we made, which we're all so proud of, but what the fuck's going to happen with it, you know? I didn't know what was going to happen. I was like, is it ever going to see the light of day? And so to have it have it released in the pandemic and, you know, do as well as it's done, it was very validating because it was touch and go for a while, man. We just didn't know what was going to happen. You know, if we didn't if we didn't get the deal with this label and, and this record didn't get picked up, I don't know what, what happened. No one would have heard it, which would have been really sad. That would have been sad, you know. I mean, because it's it is such a good album. Anytime I'm in a car in the car and I'm playing it, and I have a friend in the car, they always ask, "Who is this?" And then I tell them, really? "Yeah," and they're like, "This is really good," you know. I'm like, 
you know, my 16-year-old son, who I use always as a frame of reference, you know, because he's part of the youth of today, and and he's in rock and roll, and and um, you know, he was listening to it, I'm like, Dad, this is really, this is a really good album, you know, and everyone I talk to always says the same thing, and it's for for you to tell me the story about this album, about how it almost never saw the light of day, I just can't even fathom that. I know, man. It's crazy, right? And it's, you know what? It's so cool to hear that, uh, you know, your son, 16-year-old, is, is getting into it because it makes me so happy when I hear about young kids getting into rock and roll because there's so much – the media doesn't really – rock and roll is not in the major media at the moment, and at least not in the UK. It's all hip-hop and dance and stuff. And, and you know, so – it's great to hear that kids are getting into rock and roll. What's interesting for us is that we're getting a lot of attention from a lot of young kids in, in Europe, in Spain especially, who are loving it. For me, it's fantastic to know that it's not only you know people of an older generation who are getting into rock and roll, but the it's great to know that young people still just have that thirst for guitar-based drums and a killer vocal, you know? Yeah, I think you know 2021 has so much great rock music coming out that you know i'm a firm believer that if something's good people will find it and i think because there's so much great rock music that you can't escape it it's like everywhere right now and you know there's a buzz a lot of you know about a lot of new bands um we still have a lot of work to do like you said rock and roll did take a back seat in terms of mainstream media for a couple of decades and I yeah. think, you know, with with bands like Mammoth, you know, Wolfgang Van Halen's band, and you have, you know, Dirty Honey and the Struts and Greta Van Fleet and other bands yeah. coming, you know, coming, you know, rising up, it's it's almost like a swell of great music. And, and it's starting to poke holes in that, you know, in that ceiling where things are starting to break out and and be heard. And I just think the more that happens... And also, too, you know, let's face it, when you're a young kid and you are in a pandemic where you can't go to school and you can't talk to your friends or you can't see your friends, you get pissed yeah. and, and you're yeah. angry. And rock and roll thrives on that anger and angst. And, you know, as I talked to my son and he was on the show a couple episodes ago where I asked him, I said, do you think a lot of your friends who went in as rap, hip hop and pop? fans came out of the pandemic as rock fans. He said, definitely a lot of people, That's cool. a lot of people found themselves during the pandemic and a lot of people yeah. needed something different because everything was the same every day. That, that is so cool. And it's a, such a great way of thinking about, this, you know, and I think if you're a kid now, what's, what, what is so exciting, you know, and which, which is the same thing I had when I was 16. Once you discover rock and roll, it opens up this whole world, this wonderful landscape of like, wow, where do I start? You know, what gets me turned on? Is it, is it, is it Bruce Springsteen's fucking third record, Darkness on the Edge of Town, fourth record? Or is it, you know, like, is it Use Your Illusions? Or is it Highway to Hell? Or, you know, and it's like this, all these avenues you can go down. And so I think that's how I felt, right? When I first, discovered rock and roll and I was in the, you know, I was, you know, got hooked on the Seattle stuff. So can you imagine if you're a kid now who discovers rock and roll? 
you've got another like 20, 30 years of music to discover on top of what's already been there. So it's incredible, you know. You, you'd just be, you'd be blown away. And it's so exciting the way with music for me. It's like the more time goes on, the more music there is to discover, which is so exciting, right? So true, so true. I mean, I've been listening to rock music since I was seven, eight years old. And cause I had an, yeah. I had an older brother and I'm 46 now. Mm. And, but, but then like the last three, four years, I've discovered the greatness of thin Lizzy, you know, a band, yeah. a band that has been there for me for decades, for whatever reason, I, I just connected with them like three, four years ago. And I love the band. Like this is, this band is so awesome, you know? And, uh, and, and I love it. I mean, being in my forties and still discovering things that I may have passed on years ago, all of a sudden are finding me. And even with the new rock, you know, like dust Coda and a lot of the other bands from the UK, whether it's, you know, massive wagons or those damn crows or, you know, whoever, um, I just had Josie on from the hot damn, you know, and, oh, cool, cool, you know, cool. and, um, there's it, there's so much music coming out from all over the world that you know anyone that tells me that new music sucks tells me basically tells me that they're not listening they're not listening oh they're just they're just being lazy they just want it spoon fed yes and it's so it's it's so interesting you say like you know you you discovered you kind of you obviously always knew who Liz and Lizzie were but you actually. You actually discovered Thin Lizzy, you right. know, recently. And that's so cool because I've had the same thing, you know. Like, I discovered Alter Bridge, like, about a year or two ago. I always knew that Miles Kennedy was a cool singer. He sings with Slash, and I knew they were a good band. But suddenly, I discovered their first album, and I was just fucking blown away. I was like, why the fuck haven't I been listening to this for, like, 10 years? And, my, and you know, Adam just rolled his eyes at me because he's been listening to them for a long time. It's like... I remember this dude, he's a good mate of mine. I, I remember being so jealous of him because he discovered Metallica about five years ago. And I was so jealous because he had that whole journey to go on. You know, that whole journey of listening yeah. to their whole back catalog and, and, and getting into it. And I was thinking to him, I was like, oh man, I, I remember when I first heard Ride for Lightning. I remember when I first heard Fade to Black. I remember when I first heard Damage Incorporated, right? I was, you know, all those moments. And that's what's great about when you when you go back and, and, and look at like a, an artist's uh, back catalogue, you realise, especially if they're a really, really old school artist with just multiple, multiple albums, you realise listening to an artist is like listening to a genre unto himself. You know, listening to Bob Dylan, it's like going down a genre. Same with Bruce. You know, like he's made so many records, and like Metallic is getting to that point, and it's it's exciting to to find this thing that you connect with in your own unique way that other people connect with. It's fuck, man! I can't wait to get out. There. Yeah, <laughs> my son does this thing where he'll find like a band, and then he'll listen to. He'll go on. I don't know what. I don't know where he gets his music, but he'll he'll find you know, the first album and then he'll listen to the second album and he'll listen to the whole catalog till he's done, That's cool. you know, and then he'll, and he'll come to me. He's like, dad, this band is, this album is great. This is their best album. This is their best song. And, and, you know, he, he loves doing that. And, and plus two, what's really cool to see is that when he hears a new band now, 
he gets on his guitar and he's trying to learn the songs of these new bands, similar to what people from my generation did too with Eddie Van Halen and Slash and all these guitar players from back then is he's finding, you know, the new guitar heroes, you know, the new artists that are, that are coming about. And I really think that, you know, we, like I said, rock and roll still has a long way to go, but I think Mm -hmm. the the foundation for a resurgence is being laid right now. It really is. I agree. I agree, man. I agree. Yeah. And I, and I just, you know, I, I love when these new bands come out and, you know, they have a completely, you know, they take all the influences from, from what they've heard over the years. Right. And they've got a complete, you know, new perspective, you know, like Dust Coda, you know, like when I'm listening to Mojo Skyline. Right. And there's so many great songs, by the way, bourbon pouring is a masterpiece. Um, in my oh, opinion. Oh, that's a beautiful song. And, uh, you know, and you hear that and you can hear the influences and it's like, wow, I love that take. I love how they're, how they're merging all that stuff together and developing their own sound. That's great to hear, man. Cause that's, that's what we, that's what we really pride ourselves on is that we feel like we're taking all the, all the great stuff from the last, you know, 50 years or whatever of music, rock and roll music and, you know, just classic songwriting and, Try and, and doing our own thing with it, and that's really it's really great to hear that people get that feel that way about it. Yeah, I, I think that with a lot of bands and, and with your album, you know, more specifically about the album, when you were recording this, you know, did you guys feel that this was so strong in terms of the material? Was it was it something that you know? You didn't, I mean, it sounds like you're confident about it now because you should be because it's great. But when you're recording it and you're in the trenches, what was that experience like? Did you guys know that you were, you know, working with, with gold right there? I felt pretty confident about it. I just pretty quickly in the session, I to get a feeling of like, wow, there's some moments here, you know, there's some real moments. And, and they started to show themselves, and I was just like, oh, yeah. I think one of the songs that really made me think this is special was the song Rolling, which is kind of an epic track on the album. And that, when, when, we, when, we were, when I finished the vocals on that, I remember kind of just sitting back and going, God, I don't know if I'll ever be able to repeat that exactly the same way again. But I felt like I, felt like I captured something captured a, a vibe of feeling and the outro of that song that is, that is, that is hard to do. And yeah, so I, I start when, when, once the track started coming together, I was like, yeah, we're onto something here. I don't know how it's going to end up, but we are on something. And that was really exciting. And that's when you get that momentum. You start getting really excited because you're like, ah, oh, well, every song's going to be as good as the other now. You've got to put your best effort in to make sure everything is equally as good. It's a very inspiring album to make. It took a lot out of me. But, um, it was great. What was different about the approach of this album that differed from your debut record? To be honest with you, mate, it wasn't actually that different. You know, um, we so we 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 recorded both albums very quickly. First album was done in eleven days. This album was done in about fourteen days, um, thereabouts. Uh, same process, uh, same producer, Clint Murphy, who is 
just a, a wonder to work with. Um, it was same studio. It was it was kind of like uh, it was kind of just pretty much just we had more confidence with this album because we'd done done it before with our producer Clint, and we we're like, okay, right, we know how this works, we know how this process is. Let's let's do this. Let's let's boss this, you know. Um. So it wasn't as a process. It wasn't any. It wasn't that different. It was just a bit more pressure, but we're also more confident. Um, I got I, I totally you know fucked myself up vocally. Like I, you know, I, we didn't have enough time, so I just you know I I, I spent days trying to do these vocals, and, and I, I got very sick afterwards because I just was r- living running on adrenaline trying to get the vocals finished, and I was in bed for three days afterwards. It was worth it. When you think about the album and you think about the music that's on it, and now you've got a pandemic to deal with, and now you've got Brexit to deal with it, where yeah. you know where are you guys at in terms of determining the next step once things open up? And we don't know when that's going to be. I know there's a date out there, but you know, will that continue? And then also because Brexit's making it more difficult for you or for bands to tour Europe, is there now more of a serious consideration to say, hey, if it's equal costs, why don't we just go to the States? Um, so as far as what we're planned is, um, we've got a tour at the end of the year, which is a UK tour. Uh, our agent books... Um, a lot in Europe. So very excitingly, we are, we are a lot of our shows. So firstly, very sadly, a lot of our shows are being canceled this year. They keep getting canceled, which is very sad. We have a tour at the end of the year, uh, which is a short tour, but fingers crossed that doesn't get canceled because of, you know, COVID and all that stuff. But what's good is all the shows we're booking are being rolled over to next year. So, a lot of them are in Europe, and there are issues with Brexit. There are restrictions, but we are, you know, we are, um, we are going over the. We are going to Europe next year. We're playing shows. We're, um, you know, we've we've just signed for a um, a festival in in Spain next year, um, playing with White Snake and the Scorpions and Black Label Party, which we're so excited about. Um, so it's all. We're doing it, man. We're booking it. Um, as far as going to the state, you know, it, it's still, it's, it's still that. That's another step, you know, because you, you know what it's like. You can't turn up to America unless you got, unless you got some, uh, some foundations. You know, it's a cost a lot of money to get there, a lot of money to get the visas, and then you got to have, a, you got, you know, you got to be set up to be on the road for a couple of months to make sure you can get some traction um i mean i personally cannot wait to get to america i i i've only been to new york and philadelphia but um i i just i just know that i am going to have the time of my life traveling across america playing rock and roll it's 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 one thing i've always wanted to do because i just i i i I just i think america is such a fascinating country and 
to be able to go and play music there to me is just a massive dream. So, hey, maybe, um, you know, maybe next year at some point, definitely the year after, I'd love, I want to do it. We got to, we just got to see what's, you know, what the deal is in America as well, you know, whether you guys are able to let artists come in to or from overseas. Yeah, it's so unknown at the moment, right? Yeah, it really is. You know, I mean, that's the kind of been the theme now for the last year and a half is just uncertainty and unknown. And, you know, like I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you know, we're out and about pretty much and we're starting to get cases rising again, especially the people who haven't been vaccinated. And I hope that just doesn't put a halt to things again, because that would be, that'd be a shame that we've come so far that we've got to go backwards. And I, I know no one wants to do that, but we also have to yeah. you know be mindful that that actually may be a reality um, that we don't want to face. Yeah, it's a bit scary. We're in a similar position here. Um, you know, I I think I think it's a case that we have to kind of live with it as well. You know, and and hopefully the more people get vaccinated, the more protected we are, and the more immunity gets built up. And and it is something that kind of you know this becomes a part of society or goes away eventually. And you know, and and. And, and, you know, as many measures are put in place as possible to protect, you know, vulnerable and elderly people and obviously vaccinate them. But, man, it's, you know, it's, it's such a difficult thing. Everyone's got so many different opinions about it. And, you know, it's – we've never experienced anything like this, right, for a long, long time. Not in my generation, um, you know, not in yours. It's, it's fucking wild. And it, it is literally like the Wild West. It's like it's it's something that's just taken over the whole world. It's phenomenal, and it's and it's you know and it's just affected everyone in so many different ways. And you know, for example, I can't even. I'm Australian, um, as you might have noticed from my accent. But um, I've been in London for a long time. But I, you know, I, I don't know when I'll be able to go home to visit my family in Australia. I don't know because Australia's not letting any, anyone in at the moment. So it's it's. Um, it's just a profound thing and oh man it just, I hope I hope yeah you it, it, it reminds us that we're all connected and even though we live in different parts of the globe what we do and how we act has repercussions all over the world you know and yeah. um, it, it really is humbling when you when you think about that and it's humbling that Things are so connected, you know, we, we are so connected via social media and the Internet. I think we lose we lose the value or we lose the idea that we're still connected, even though I may do something in Chicago. And most things I do mm. won't won't feel the effects around the world. But especially in a pandemic, what we do is going to have a domino effect to places that we have, we may never visit, we may never go to. Yeah, that is true. So that is true. It's 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 a strange it's a strange feeling to know that, and it's also just a strange feeling to not know how the future is going to be. Right. Nobody knows at the moment, and that's the scary part. But on on a positive note. What I have found in my own experience in lockdown, because I spent the first lockdown completely on my own in my flat 
I was, I was single at the time and I met my um, my girlfriend about a year later but I found being alone isolated for a very very long time really made me get to the bottom of what I truly truly was important to me and what I really wanted to do with my life <laughs> which is funnily enough exactly what I was doing anyway which is make music <laughs> before but um, but it also made me really value connections and relationships and value value experiences and value the things that you can do in your life because things can be taken away from you so easily, right? Yeah. You know, like, like for example, you know, value the fact that I'm sitting on a hot summer's night having a beer talking to you in Chicago about a, a record that I made. That's fucking fantastic. It's someone, you know, the people in America are listening to my music. That's fantastic. That's just brilliant. It is. It is really cool. You know, the fact that I'm talking to you or they, you know, talking to other bands as well and and, and helping people discover their music and introducing people to bands is such a, a cool thing. You know, I mean, it's, and it's, it was really the pandemic that made me, you know, more serious about the podcast because it's like, well, I got nothing else to really do. So, you know, you, you, you start developing this and it kind of takes on a life of its own. And, and here we are. Um, you know, I, I know. That, we, go ahead. I was just going to say, that's what's fucking great about life is you start something and you never know where it goes. And that's so exciting. As far as the album goes, you know, we're still celebrating it. We're still listening to it. But it has been two years since you put this out. Have you guys been writing and recording new music? Uh, so, well, we we well we only we put it out this year in March. So it's been, but it's probably been nearly two years since we wrote right, it. You're right. right. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, have you guys developed anything or, or writing anything new? I mean, you know, there wasn't really much going on last year, and a lot of bands decided to kind of go into that bubble and create new things while you know while they're sitting on you know an album or or, or whatever. Uh, man, we have got stacks of songs. We're in hardcore writing mode at the moment. It's really exciting. We're um, uh, we are we are jacked in to, to writing album three, um, and we've got some corkers. You know, I I wrote a lot of songs on my own last year, which I'm very excited about. Which which I brought to, brought to the band. Adam's done the same. So we're in the process of. Uh, I'm kind of workshopping them at the moment. Um, we're actually in the, in the studio last night rehearsing some new numbers, which I'm really pumped about. We've got some a couple of really nasty old school rock and roll fast fast numbers, but also some quite heavy uh, moody tracks as well that are quite slow but moody. So I'm, I'm I'm really excited. You know, it's the fun part. It's it's, it's such a fun part of the process that. Feeling when you first get in a rehearsal room and the band first kind of gets the feel of the song and you start hearing Roaring's voice. It's, um, it's, it's so much fun. I love it. The strong album, you know, Mojo Skyline, you know, is is enough for for most bands to tour on, right? I mean, that's what you want to do. You want to get out and play these songs that you spent and enslaved over, you know, in terms of time. And, you know, you're talking about tours being canceled. What's that like for you? I mean, 
These songs are, are nearly two years old. The album is not. People are enjoying this yeah. album, and they're celebrating this album, as they should. And you're talking about writing new music. How do you balance what is present, what is the future for, for Dust Coda? So I try to think from the point of view of the, of, of the guy or the girl listening to the record. So I try to think from the point of view of, you know, someone living in, you know, Glasgow who's, booked, who's, who's heard Mojo Skyline two months ago and, and bought a ticket to our show at King Tut's in Glasgow. They've only had the record for two months and they're probably thinking, man, I can't wait to see that band play live. I try to re, revisit it from those eyes, you know, and 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 that gets me excited. And and I and you know I I because I I think because we put so much effort and and care into making these songs, they don't get old for us either. I I, I still get a kick out of playing Demon. I still love playing the first album. You know, I can't wait to get out on the road and play the first album as well because it they you know they're great songs. They, you know, they, they, they've got shelf life, you know. They, they weren't written uh, to – they weren't written for anyone else but ourselves to be the best we could to make the music we really wanted to write. And because of that, we love playing it live. And so to bring it – to go and perform Mojo Skyline to someone who's been listening to the record for three months, even though we've had the songs, you know, a couple of years, it's still very exciting. I get a buzz. That is important, right? I mean, you still have to connect with something that maybe was written and recorded a while back. Even though people are listening to it now and they're still digesting it, they're still absorbing it. You know, there has to be that period of time where the audience, you know, is catching up to where you guys are at in terms of creativity, in terms of making new music. And, you know, even though, you know, what your music is now. And I imagine, you know, there's still an evolution process going on and you guys are still evolving as artists, especially writing music after all this craziness, right? Because, you know, there's that bookmark where you, you know, Mojo Skyline came out during the pandemic, but it was written prior, you know, but now you've experienced all these crazy things and new things. Where does your music go from Mojo Skyline? Where does it go in terms of creative process? And that's really interesting to follow a band and to see a band where they end up as a result of this. Well, that's a good point because a lot, I think a lot of my writing has been heavily influenced by what's going on in the world. Um, you know, just the way I'm seeing things, you know, I, I think, and I'm touching it a bit, touching on it a bit in my lyrics, you know, I think we've gone through such a divisive period in the last, year and a half, you know, and I think, I think the media is responsible for really turning people on each other, which I don't like, you know, and it's, and it's fueled a lot of anger in me seeing, you know, seeing people so at odds with each other and, and not able to talk to each other and having to take sides and take camps and, 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 and like, you know, life isn't that, life isn't that simple, you know? Yeah, you know, for all, all the people that you know that, that that fight each other online or have these very, very, very black and white 
opinions to, opposing each other. I guarantee if you get those if you get those people just sitting down talking to each other in the street, you'd probably find they got more in common than not. You know, in some cases, and and I think you know I've I've picked up on that a lot over the last year and a half. The intensity and the aggression in the air and the conflict between people around the world that's kind of fed into some of my writing and just you know the madness that we're looking at yeah um, I, so yeah uh, it's, 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 a, it's affected me a lot yeah no i think it's affected everybody you know i mean it's just it's so crazy how we are so separated and we don't need to be separated in terms of views you know i mean you know, you can you can have different views and still be friends. You know, you can have different views and and still get along with each other. And I think we're just like in a lost period right now, where I think we're still trying to figure it out and where you know where we're going to land after this pandemic. And I I do believe we're stronger when we're together. I do believe that you know we 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 have a better life, a better world when we understand our differences, but we compromise. And, uh, yeah. you know, hopefully we can get back to that because I think that's when really true progress is made when there is compromise. Oh man, absolutely. I, I, I think I couldn't agree more. You know, I think people need to be able to voice their opinions and, and, and converse properly without shouting at each other. But the internet's just enabled so much of that. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Pe- pe- people just love throwing their stones at each other without even listening. And, and so, so many things are taken out of context and used against each other. And, you know, it's, and, you know, obviously you've seen, I'm assuming you've seen sacks of that in America because we hear about it here. Yeah. It's here and it's, you know, it's everywhere. And oh, I just get so sick of it, you know. And I, and I, I yeah. And that makes me, it's a, you know, it has affected me a lot. You know, I feel like we're not living in a world where you can really voice your opinion in a, in a, in a way that doesn't immediately interrupt into some massive argument or, a, you know, a staking of some side that you've got to join. Absolutely. And, that, and that's sad, but hopefully we move beyond that. So what's next for you guys? I mean, you know, this album was out in March. You guys are kind of waiting to see what's happening. When do you anticipate you guys getting back on stage? What's going on right now with you guys? So we're writing this new album. We are preparing for some appearances. We've got, we got an appearance and a, on, a, on a, uh, our first television appearance in Germany at the end of the year in October. Um, which is really exciting. We're playing Rock Palace, which is like a, a festival which is televised in Europe. So that's a big gig for us. Um, we've actually got quite a big following in Germany, which is awesome. So we're getting ready for that. We're getting ready for our tour at the end of the year. It's our headlining tour, um, which we're really excited about because we just can't wait to play and, you know, run the show, you know what I mean? Like we just can't wait to... Be, in, be the masters of our own domain and craft a set list according to how we want it to go and headline properly, you know. So we're just kind of, yeah, we're really just working on getting that show together and making it really cook and, uh, you know, getting on the road and just getting out there, you know. I miss being on the road. I miss, I miss the, you know, the open highway. Sounds like a cliche, but it's true. It's nothing like, you know, 
being in a splitter van and putting on some ACDC and just looking out the clouds <laughs> as you're driving down a freeway. Absolutely. Well, John, it's been a great conversation, man. I really, really enjoyed this, uh, this time with you. Uh, you too, man. It's been great to chat, man. It's really good to chat. Absolutely. Anytime you want to come back on, you're more than welcome. Oh, thank you very much, man. Um, that would be great. Let's, let's touch base, you know, um, in, in a couple of months or something. Let's, let's just do another, let's do another podcast and, and I'll, and I'll give you the update on the next, the next journey, part of the journey for TDC. That would be awesome. I would, I'm in, you got me. So we're booked for a couple months from now. Sounds good, man. Well, thank you so much. And um, thanks everyone out there listening. Keep on rocking. <laughs> All right, everybody. That's John Drake from the Dust Coda. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Stay strong, stay safe, stay healthy, and we will talk again soon. Thank you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.